Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You know, this isn't time for woe is me. You know, if people remember, uh, we were 2-2 two two this time last year. We finished 13-3. and three. We were 5-0 and oh the year before. We finished 8-8. Eight and eight. We were 2-2 two and two the year before that, and we finished 11-5. So, you know, all the... All the predictors are not really, this isn't a good time to predict. Well, they're, the linebackers are aggressive. You know, they're tight to the line of scrimmage. They get a lot of eight-man uh, eight uh, or seven-man in the box, depending on the personnel. Um, you know, their defensive line, I think, you know, is strong and physical. Uh, you know, Cox is a great player. Bram's a great player. I think Barnett's really helped him a lot. You know, he looks even better to me now. So, uh, you know, the linebackers run well. Football. Football! Football, yeah! Football! You ready for this? You ready for this? Am I ready? I am ready. I don't know if Matthew's ready. Matthew, are you ready? Kyle, are you prepared for football talk? I am extremely ready at all times for football talk. Hey, hey, your story on the site today about O-linemen was completely geeky, but awesome. Great job. A great a great a great look into and let's see if I can find this. I even wrote down my favorite phrase which was I think Jer- Jeremiah Searles talked about what dropping mm. the dropping the anchor is that right? Yes, that is correct. He Thank dropped you. the anchor. Yes. That's what is right. that what does uh, that, that mean? That that is something that all offensive linemen have to learn how to do in order to stop an NFL pass rusher. And all it means hmm. is just Basically securing yourself in a spot where you can handle a guy who is extremely strong and violent slamming into your chest at full speed. It's life advice really for everyone. Oh, always yeah, drop the really. hammer. I mean yeah. the anchor. I mean the anchor, yeah. I have yeah. to do that pretty consistently, like just in different situations in my life, just drop the anchor. <laughs> oh yeah. Um but it's more of like metaphorical than physical, as opposed to offensive linemen. So yeah, the a big part of the uh, article is just going through all the different ways that offensive linemen try to figure out how to stop unbelievably talented defensive linemen, and uh, there will be no better example of that than in Philadelphia this weekend when the Minnesota Vikings try to hang on for dear life and try not to get Kirk Cousins killed. Well, the simplest way I can put this on the on the Viking side of things for why they're going to win this game is I think it's pretty pretty obvious right now anyways we'll see where the season plays out but the rams are a better team than the eagles both were road games one was even a short week for the vikings the vikings almost beat the rams the vikings defense was terrible but they almost beat the rams in that game in a shootout and uh, i would think even if things aren't perfect 
all things all things equal for the Vikings from game to game. If they if they bring a similar effort, they will beat the Eagles. A similar effort offensively, I should say, they will beat the Eagles. What are your thoughts? Well, I th- I, yeah, I think that I would pick them for this game because I don't really love the way the Eagles have played so far this season. And I went back last night and watched the game against Tennessee, and their defense definitely has some holes in it. Uh, they play very aggressively. They send a lot of linebackers, and sometimes they play cover zero, which means there's no one over the top or anything like that. It's just all uh, man-to-man defense, and then they send everybody else. And, and those are the things that the Vikings are going to have to deal with. But there were a lot of things that the Vikings do that Tennessee had success with. So just for example, having seven guys protect and only sending out you know, a couple wide receivers or, or eight guys protect and trying to find receivers that way uh, through play actions and things like that. Tennessee had some success with that against the Philly defense, so they're maybe not as strong as they were last year. And on the offensive side, Carson Wentz is still kind of getting things together, getting back from his injury and his time off. Now, the, the one factor here, though, is the last two times the Minnesota Vikings have gone into that stadium with those fans there. They have not come out with having a very good day. And, you know, I mean, that is definitely a trend that they could break with uh, this offense and, and these wide receivers so long as Kirk Cousins can actually get enough time to throw the ball. And from what I watched of Fletcher Cox against Tennessee, he was just slamming the guards back into the quarterback in almost every single play. So pocket presence will be required this weekend. So when Waynes and Cook did not practice again for the second consecutive day today, uh, odds that uh, odds that both don't play in this game, Collar, and if there's one that we should be more concerned about, would it be Cook with the continuing bad hamstring or Waynes with the concussion suffered against the Rams? Oh, I mean, the answer is probably uh, both. I am really surprised that Delvin Cook has not practiced at all, considering it seemed like so he was kind of getting getting things back together um, with the fact that he played, I, I believe it was 16 snaps against the Rams. So it seemed like, okay, he's making progress, and then he'll practice this week and be back to 100%. But uh, that now does not appear to be the case with him missing practice. So that's a definite concern for him. And then, now, when you go to Trey Waynes, anytime it's a concussion, it's extremely hard to predict. Uh, but not practicing these two days. I have seen this before, though, where a guy gets out of concussion protocol on Friday and practices on Friday and does play. So the door is still open for him. Uh, but Zimmer said already today that uh, he guessed Delvin would probably end up being questionable for the game. So maybe they're just doing their best to get it healed up. But if they don't have him at 80%, 90% somewhere in there. I mean, it's a, it's a different offense if yeah. he's not a threat or if he's not playing. And I think you saw that against Buffalo, and you'll see it again against Philly, not just to run the ball, even though he can make something where there's nothing there, but to line up as a wide receiver and to, to be you know, a playmaker anytime they can get him the ball. It kind of really demolishes your screen game unless they can figure out how to use Mike Boone or Rock Thomas there. Yeah. yeah Matthew Collar with us here, 1500ESPN.com, Purple Podcast. And by the way, tonight, you can find him actually uh, right now between now and 7 o'clock at the Lucky's 13 location in Mendota where him and Manny Hale are going to be doing a live Purple Podcast taping here, I don't know, in like a half hour or so. But, you know, one thing we are so bad at as a football culture is we overreact week to week spreads move drastically based on one game results right and so I'm trying to balance the Vikings slow start with how much time is left in the season and how favorable the schedule does become relative to what's been on it so far 
Um, I mean, is it is it a done deal if they lose this game? Is that an overreaction? Or do you think, okay, there's still October, November, December left. Pump the brakes on that take. Uh, it's not a done deal, but it makes it almost a done deal because when you look at who they have to face for quarterbacks, I mean, not just trying to judge uh, by a team's record so far this year. I mean, okay, I don't have a ton of respect for Seattle, but I do respect going there to play in Seattle against Russell Wilson. That's not easy, and especially if you haven't figured out the defense yet. Uh, you know, they, they have to play the Bears twice. Aaron Rodgers, you still got to play him. You still got to play Tom Brady. You still got to play, play Drew Brees. I mean, none of that sounds like what they had last year where it was two times against uh, Trubisky as a rookie and Brett Hundley. I mean, this sounds a lot harder of a bounce back. But if you win this game and then all of a sudden you feel like, okay, you're basically a 500 team, that tie kind of – you know, throws a wrench in things, but if you feel like that and you look around the NFC North and, okay, there's nobody special in the NFC North, uh, maybe the Bears are, maybe they're not, you, you feel very much like the season is back on track. But a loss here, mm-hmm. to come away from the first five weeks with one win would be a catastrophe. I mean, we had talked about this before the season of, like, okay, you've got to find a way to at least survive this until you can get into some of the easier games, like, you know, Arizona's coming up, and then I I think they can beat the Jets. I think they can probably beat the Dolphins as well. But, you know, I mean, those games are not guarantees, especially if you go on the road. I mean, to come away with maybe three wins would have still been like, okay, you're on track, but uh, to have only one would be a really big problem for them uh, to eventually get in the playoffs. The problem, too, is that the bleeping – Raiders gave Khalil Mack to Chicago. Like, we didn't... I think Chicago was going to be improved, and and I think that they were going to make strides, Collar, but this has now now been put on on an accelerator, basically, by that trade, and now you go from saying, well, I think they'll at least split with Chicago, to I'm not so sure, because Khalil Mack, if he dominates a game here, could make a world of difference. Yeah, and you saw how edge rushers can ruin a game plan against Buffalo. It's not like Buffalo has the best edge rushers in the league. They don't have anyone close to the level of talent of Khalil Mack. And, and, you know, when you look at the schedule overall, too, this will be their real first test of facing elite edge rushers. I mean, with all due respect to Jerry Hughes, who was a monster. But, you know, so far they've faced some 3-4 teams. they face teams that don't have outside linebackers that will kill you anymore. Clay Matthews isn't that player. Uh, these days, but when you're going up against four guys who are NFL starters, two great players, Brandon Graham and and Chris Long, Michael Bennett and Derek Barnett, who uh, really ruined things for them last year in Philadelphia, it's not just one guy that you can game plan. They're going to be coming from all areas for this entire game, so they're going to need Riley Reef to play a great game. They're going to need uh, Rashad Hill to be excellent in this game, and and. Unfortunately for them, those are hard things to see happening, right? I mean, this is yeah. this is really going to be a game where John Filippo is tested in every possible way that he can find to protect the quarterback because, you know, if they leave one-on-one matchups with any of those four players for these two tackles, they're getting beat the majority of the time. This would not necessarily save the day, but do you sense that we might get a change at guard at all? I don't know. I mean, John DeFilippo was asked about it, and he said, you know, for the time being, I think his exact quote was, doesn't see it happening anytime soon that they will make a change. And, and when you think about the options, they're all bad. I, I mean, know. There, there is I no, agree. There is, no, there is no fix here. There's no, like, oh, the dumb Vikings aren't doing blank. I mean, if you put in Danny Isadora to face Fletcher Cox, uh, you can just 
end Danny Isidore's career right there. And if you put in Brian O'Neill to try to face off with Brandon Graham, RIP Brian O'Neill, he's not ready to face that yet. So, I mean, I think that what they have right now is their best option. And it's just unfortunate that they lost Nick Easton to an injury because, you know, Tom Compton is not going to be able to handle this. And you kind of have to do the best you can to mitigate the effects of it. And honestly, Kirk Cousins did a great job the other night because the pocket was being pushed into his face a number of times. And aside from his fumble at the end, he made throw after throw after throw in that game. And he's going to have to pretty much do that on a, on a weekly basis. But they're not going to be facing the Rams and Eagles on a weekly basis. Uh, right now, Pro Football Focus has these two teams as the two best pass rushing teams in the entire week. So it will get easier from here for the offensive line. But at least for this week, in the pivotal game, it's going to be very, very difficult. Yeah. Hey, Matthew, if people want, if they're driving around and they want to shake hands in person with a real football man or two real football men, where should they go? What can they do? Uh, I, I'll, just, I'll just not make a joke here, and I'll go with where you're uh, leading me to. Um, <laughs> so I'm just about to walk inside of Lucky's 13 in Mendota. It's a nice, cool little place, and we are going to be recording the Purple Podcast here in about 15 minutes. And then hanging out, talking football, and also giving away Minnesota Vikings tickets tonight as well. So if you want to stop by the Lucky's 13, I will be here. Football. Right on. Giving away tickets? I'm not sure now. Judd's actually leaving right now. I didn't know about that. Don't leave yet, though, Judd. Nobody told me. We need you for like two more minutes. Why didn't someone tell me about this? Bye, Matthew. See you, Collar. Bye. All right. Matthew Collar from the Purple (laughs) Podcast. He's so excited. Uh, 1500ESPN.com. We'll get to Tom Pellicero as the football hour continues here shortly. First time talk to Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get straight talk, not sugar coat. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, man. On 1500 ESPN. Quick look at your traffic. U.S. 169 northbound. We have a crash between I-394 and Minnesota 55. Also, 94 westbound in the midway. We, or excuse me, 94 eastbound in the midway. We have a crash between Snelling and Hamlin. Getting back to Mackie and Judd right now on 1500 ESPN. You know, we just got to start doing things a little bit better than what we've been doing. I obviously addressed some things with the team, um, you know, last couple of days. And so, uh, you know, we've got some points of emphasis that we got to continue to get better at. Football. Yes, the football hour continues on Mackie and Judd, where we go live now to some corner of an airport near security, where Tom Pelissero from NFL Network <laughs> is either crouching down to talk football quietly or hiding from the authorities. Which one is it, Tom? I found the bench, which was a really big upgrade over the initial squat. I got one look at the uh, TSA pre-check line and realized that my phone was probably going to be going off somewhere on an x-ray machine, so I figured I would just uh, stay camped out here, make sure I'm available. The uh, I, I generally, and I'm dead serious about this, I judge airports in large part based upon how close the rental car facility is. If it's on-site, you know, like Minneapolis, that is, that's huge. Um, if you are you know, a short ride away, okay. Baltimore, I'm not joking, it is a 25-minute bus ride yep. to get from the rental car facility what? to the airport. Uh-huh. So uh, a bit of a nightmare. Let's, let's uh, put it that way, but I made it. It's absurd. The airport that is the, the ridiculous one to me, though, is the new one in Denver, which is nowhere near anything else in Denver. 
I have not been through that one, I don't Ugh. think, because uh, NFL Network has my uh, evil twin, James Palmer, uh, covering the NFL out there. Phoenix is another one. I mean, you, you arrive there at night, think that they're taking you somewhere out in the desert, and there's going to be a Breaking Bad scene uh, breaking out before you actually get your <laughs> Probably true. Hey, I want to, well, let, actually, let's start with the, the Ravens real quick. I, I actually just put the Ravens number three in our weekly pigskin pecking order because it feels like old Joe Flacco is back. And uh, they just look like one of the best teams in the NFL right now. What's your What's your read on what's happening with Pittsburgh versus what's happening with the Ravens? Well, let's start with the Ravens, uh, just because I was out there uh, talking to a lot of people today. You know, they started three and one two years ago, but it, it felt a little bit different to everybody. You know, this one feels like they really deserve it. First off, the defense is playing at a really high level. Uh, they've got a, the players are big fans of their new. Defensive coordinator Don Wink Martindale, who made some headlines today by saying that uh, Baker Bayfield is, in his mind, this generation's Brett Favre or John Elway. It's pretty high praise off of a game and a half of uh, regular season action. Uh, but, but those guys are flying around. They do have good players, not a lot of um, you know household names. Obviously, Terrell Suggs has been there forever. Eric Weddle's a really good safety, but they've got some young guys, too, uh, who have made an impact for them. And then offensively, what everybody forgets is Joe Flacco hadn't had an offseason in three years. You know, in 2016, he was coming off a torn ACL. Last year, he had the back problem, didn't play at all in the preseason. So the combination of Flacco actually getting the offseason work, uh, along with the fact that they invested a ton of resources in wide receivers through free agency, from John Brown to Will Sneed, uh, on down, uh, tight ends in the draft, the draft of Hayden Hurst, first-round pick, who hasn't even played yet. Uh, he's going to be out there. And also the offensive line was a disaster last season with you know, injuries and a retirement right before camp. I mean, they were they were shorthanded the entire way. So they're, they're running at uh, about full speed for them right now. You know, and they played a team last week in the Steelers who just has not seemed to be able to uh, put the pieces together. Now they also have a new offensive coordinator, Randy Fichtner. Uh, there are some changes in terms of how they want to operate now. Uh, personality-wise, he is, from what everyone has said, a polar opposite of what they had before with Todd Haley. And, of course, they don't have you know, maybe the best running back in the league in uh, Le'Veon Bell at this point. Just a, just a lot of different things. Um, you know, If you go back to their history, Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches in terms of the disparity in his record in September versus the rest of the year. A lot of the best coaches, Belichick is like that, way better from October to December than he is in September. Uh, Mike McCarthy fits on that list as well. So those are the coaches that know, okay, we've got to experiment a little bit. We're going to straighten some things out and play our best football when it counts. But right now, you know, you just look at the context of everything with Pittsburgh. It's no surprise that people are looking at them and wondering if this time they're actually going to be able to have a lot of it. So, Tom, is, did I, I see this right last week? Is Bell going to come in during the Steelers' bye week in week seven and then play after that? Is, is that how this is going to unfold eventually? That is what our former colleague on the Vikings beat, Jeremy Fowler, uh, reported for ESPN. He talked to Le'Veon Bell, who I believe has been uh, living in Florida uh, during his time away, and that is, as of now, what Bell is uh, apparently saying he's going to do. Now, the thing is, you've got other factors at play. There's you know, the way that the Steelers could potentially use um, Lisk, use a roster exemption for Bell. You know, When exactly would they actually pay him? Um, you know, how long could they potentially delay if he comes in during the bye week? That doesn't mean he gets checked for the bye week. Um, there's, there's a lot of things that are sort of unresolved on that front. Um, you know, so in some corner of his mind, Le'Veon Bell might be hoping that this ultimately ends in a trade. But the problem for that is 
it's really hard for the Steelers to get value for Bell in a trade because it's a rental player situation. The way the rules are set up, if you're a franchise player, once the July 15th, 16th deadline passes, it doesn't matter what team you're on, you can only play on a one-year deal. There can't be uh, a long-term contract. And so, you know, can they get a, a two for a guy in that situation? You know, for nine games, Le'Veon Bell, would you give up a second-round pick? I mean, I'm sure there's some contenders that will be asking themselves, that very question, but that would be uh, rich in NFL trade terms. What are the most interesting things you're hearing just around the league about Pat Mahomes? Well, <laughs> I mean, I think that everybody's sort of waiting for him to have the game where he doesn't do what he's been doing every week. Yeah. I mean, the, the plays he made the other night against the Broncos, you know, things like the the left-handed flip, uh, you know, that he makes in, in a huge moment there. You know, those, those go back to his baseball background. You know, everybody knows his dad, Pat, played for the Twins. Um, Patrick grew up as a, a baseball player and specifically a shortstop before he moved over to pitcher. And so all those weird arm angles and all the, you know, the strange throws, even that left-handed flip, immediately made me think that that's exactly what you see a shortstop in baseball do, you know, in certain situations. You pick it up with the glove, right, and you shovel it over there if you're trying to get a quick force out of it. At second base, his body just operates a little bit differently. I think that one of the things that was underrated on Mahomes going into the pre-draft process a couple of years ago was, you know, everybody when they put him on the board in the meetings, in other words, like threw stuff for him, had him do recall, had him explain different plays. He far exceeded what anybody expected because he's coming out of a you know a Texas Tech uh, type of an offense, the so-called air raid offense. So the Kingsbury would never want you to. To call it that, you know, guys just sort of have a reputation for it. they don't know football. Well, Mahomes picks things up really quickly, so he's put together the mental side of it. The physical side is just, it, it's rare. You know, he's not a running quarterback. He's just a guy who, on the run, can throw the ball all over the place. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know that I've even seen anything interesting within the league as much as everybody, you bring up Patrick Mahomes' name, they kind of shake their head and go, he's, uh, he's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he he's far, right? Well, I mean, every year I think we get about three far comparisons, and then somebody do. becomes the far who throws four interceptions in a game. I mean, it's, <laughs> there, there's not many guys, there are not many Brett Favre, there are not many John Elways. Everybody wants to make the comparisons. You know, I, I actually had this discussion a couple of weeks ago with a general manager, and I was asking him about, uh, or I brought up Baker Mayfield's name. This was, I think, the day after Mayfield came on against the Jets, and he goes, you know, everybody gets excited about these young quarterbacks. Like two weeks ago, with Sam Darnold, the, the franchise leader, <laughs> and now look what's happening to him. Now it's now it's going to be Mayfield. Like every one of these young quarterbacks goes through adversity. Teams do get more film on them. They they do figure out okay how we're going to approach them. It doesn't mean you go from a hundred to zero, but but it does mean that you know it's not just going to be in all likelihood you know he stays on track and throws fifty touchdown passes. But the Chiefs go undefeated. I mean it's it's possible. Anything's possible, but. You look at even the number of quarterbacks from year one to year two that have had some level of regression, Dak Prescott being a, a recent one in memory. You know, everybody's going to have their challenges ahead, but right now it's exactly what I heard when I went through Chiefs camp. Because when I was there, it, it was two days in a row, I think Mahomes had thrown three interceptions in practice. You go back and find the stories. I remember the story, yes. Mahomes has turned the ball over. Alex yep. Smith never did this six turnovers in two days. <laughs> what I was told by people there was, listen, calm down. Like, he's going to make mistakes. The guy's barely played football. He was barely varsity quarterback in high school. Wow. He didn't really study the game until his last year at Texas Tech. He was splitting time playing baseball. Didn't really apply himself. Didn't know what he was doing. He's going to get so much better. He's going to make mistakes, but he's also going to make some plays on the field that make totally forget about the mistakes. So, Tom, we, we start out, and it, this seems to be the tradition. We start off the, the first 
few weeks with all these concerns, you know, roughing the passers, being called too much, blah, blah, blah. But we are right now on pace for four quarterbacks to break the single-season passing mark, and I would take it that at least privately, the league is absolutely thrilled. Is that correct? I believe I retweeted a tweet from uh, the NFL media people yesterday showing the 15 highest-rated shows on all of television in September were NFL games. Yep. Wow. Uh, it, uh, it, it's fun to watch. I mean, isn't it, isn't it fun to watch offense Yes. Right now? I mean, I think that, you know, the question is always just kind of where you draw that line in terms of how far do you protect them. And certainly the roughing the passer penalties have generated a lot of discussion. That's something I was tracking even back to the preseason because you knew the way the rules had been written, and you knew based on some of the calls. Uh, I think Sheldon Richardson or one of the Vikings had a uh, – or no, it was one of the guys that they cut had a penalty in the preseason. And I looked at it and went, that's going to be an issue if that starts happening in primetime games. Sure enough, the body weight thing now is, is on the tip of everyone's tongue, even though it's been on the books since 1995. Um, but the bottom line in everybody's minds, and to me it's, it's this way as well, is, you know, who do you want to be watching play meaningful games? Do you want to see Connor Cook start a playoff game for the Raiders, or do you want to be watching Derek Carr? Do you want to watch Brett Hundley play in half a season, or do you want to watch Aaron Rodgers? Not all quarterback injuries occur on what would now or wherever illegal hits. Um, certainly guys can get injured in different ways, and for all the protection they're given, um, you know, guys still can get hurt. But as of now, yeah, I mean, people can complain about, I want to see hits, I want to see the quarterbacks get nailed like they used to. Do you? Do you really, really want to see that in big picture? <laughs> yeah. uh, as we have in recent seasons, it's uh, they just got to figure out the line and they got to figure out what's realistic for the referees to call consistently. I think that that's ultimately what everybody asks for. It's just if you're going to call it, call it the same way for everybody. It's like oh, we want to see more Loyola Marymounts in the Final Four of the NCAA tournament. Well, do you? Well, once in a while, it's it's it makes for interesting fodder. Hey, one more thing for you. How close to uh, panic button should uh, Vikings fans and the Vikings be here? One, two, and one with a game on the road against the Eagles. What's, what are your general thoughts here about the state of the Vikings, Tom? I don't think that it's it's panic mode. Um, I think that there's a challenging game on the road this week in Philadelphia where they played their worst game of last season, um, but they are coming off of a bye week. The Eagles, you know, I was at their game in week three, and we saw it again last week against Tennessee. They're still kind of finding their stride right now. They've been a little banged up on offense. Carson Wentz is coming back from his injury. I think both these teams, you know, over time are going to get better just because when you talk to evaluators within the league, they'll say they're both really talented. And I, and I do believe that it's true with the Vikings, whether it starts this week or, you know, after that when the schedule eases up a little bit. They're just, there's no historical precedent to suggest that Mike Zimmer is not going to figure out the defense. The defense, at, you know, outside of maybe week one, has not played anywhere near the level that the Vikings expected to. Um, there were things in the game against the Rams. You know, people can talk about Anthony Barr all they want, but nobody, especially Mike Zimmer, is drawing up a coverage for Anthony Barr to be running with uh, Robert Woods 40 yards downfield. I mean, it's obvious that there's other things that are happening. Maybe the Rams figured out ways to mess with their rules and coverage. Maybe it's just blown assignments. Whatever it is, you, know, you would think, based on Zimmer's track record, he's going to get that figured out. And then offensively, they're counting on Dalvin Cook to be a really big part of this team. Um, you know, Cook's hamstring injury, my understanding from the start was always that it was minor. He described it to me that day as a cramp after the game in Lambeau, although it's, it's proven to be a little bit more than that. You would think when that guy gets back that into himself, that's going to make an impact. The biggest thing for the offense right now, Kirk Cousins just plays really good football. I mean, he makes a few throws every game and makes you say, wow, but they've got to have balance. It's just they're not built to win 
shootouts. And so between the defense and the running game, they got to get those two things on track to be the type of football team that they expect to be. He's Tom Pelissero from NFL Network. Where can people find your talking head this weekend? Uh, I'm going to catch this plane, hopefully now, uh, to Cleveland through Detroit because yeah, that makes a lot of geographical sense. Uh, I'll be able to be with the Browns tomorrow. And then uh, Sunday morning, bright and early, 7 a.m. Eastern, as the alarms start going off in the airport, that's a good sign. Uh, from, from the Brown Stadium, be in the locker room and everything uh, after that game. You can find it on the NFL Network. Awesome. Football. All right. See ya. Bye, Tom. We'll see you next week, man. See you guys. Tom Pellicero. Going to Cleveland Founding through father Detroit? of our website, too. Welcome to hell. <laughs> just flaming runways. We're just going to go to Detroit first to give you a little taste of Cleveland. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? It's <laughs> pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. Football. The Football Hour. I'm Mackie and Judd. We'll whap with Roycey. We'll, we'll whap with Roycey. Yep. They got rabbit. Wow. That dastardly, that dastardly voice. What cartoon was that? Daffy Duck, right? Daffy Duck? Yeah. Yeah, Wask We Wabbit. No, 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 no. Elmer Fudd. Elmer Fudd. Daffy Duck with... Best Daffy Duck. Well, no, Syl- Sylvester... <laughs> <laughs> Who was the one that spit right, all right. over the place? <laughs> Thufferin' Thuckatash. Well, yes. It was Foghorn Leghorn. Leghorn. Yeah. I say, I say, I say. I say, I say. It's a football. It's a football. It's a football. Pigskin hour. All righty then. Just went through... All the Looney Tunes line up hey, there. There we go. Yep. Wrong with that. Uh, my my three favorite teams to watch on Red Zone right now are the Browns, Rams, and Chiefs. Anytime the Browns, Rams, and or Chiefs are on Red Zone or just playing on a Thursday night or a Sunday, yep. I am glued right now. How about the, how it's, about the it's, Saints, it's like too? The, the Saints? Wouldn't the Saints have to be a fourth offensively? I guess I, I t- you're right. They would be. I take the Saints for granted almost. It's you just can't like, take Drew Brees for granted, man. Yeah. Part of it's because the Rams, Chiefs, and Browns, especially the Browns and the Rams, are just new to the party in terms of being fascinating. Like, when have the Rams outside the last two years or the Browns in my lifetime ever been well, these, a quote unquote league pass team? These Browns never. Ha- these Browns haven't. Unless you're just ambulance chasing. Yeah, and on version. Didn't the Derek Anderson led Browns go like 10 and 6 in like 2006? I think they're one of the rare 10 and 6 teams that didn't even make the postseason. They've, they've been to the playoffs once and since I believe, they came back, and that might that, have been maybe the year. Been it. And I believe the quarterback for that was Kelly Holcomb. Well, Derek, you know, for the game, the playoff game? Yeah, I think he played, and I think they played Pittsburgh in a playoff game. Yeah. I think it was Kelly Holcomb. Yeah, and the Chief, it's funny because the Chiefs, this is where when teams make decisions, when the, when the Warriors fired Mark Jackson, a 51 Warriors team, and everyone said, what? Why would you fire that guy? He's helped build this thing, and boom. Yep. And in the Chiefs' case, he said, man, they've been pretty darn good the last few years, and Alex Smith has been really good the last couple of years, too, and he's put up points in playoff games, and wow, what are they doing? Why would they get rid of Alex Smith and roll the dice on a rookie? And it's decisions in the moment that make you scratch your head, but there's so much information behind the scenes that they've gathered, and they saw something in Mahomes to trade up for him in the first round, and who you knows? It's been a month. We'll see if... We'll see if he fizzles out, but I don't think he goes from what he's been the first four games to bust territory. I think you can rule that out at this point. I love, I love the Mahomes slow cook because I one thousand percent agree it's the right right way to go. Having Alex Smith play and him sit there to me is if I if I could do it as a GM, 
that is the ideal scenario, I think, is to have a quarterback who's at least competent and have a kid like that just be able to absorb for a year. Yeah, and it helps because Alex Smith, is he's probably even more than competent, right? He's, oh, yeah, Alex Smith has emerged into no, a, good quarterback. a top You're right. 12 quarterback in the league. And what happens is if you have a if you have a Tyrod Taylor who's at best a league average quarterback and at worst you've, you've seen him, yes. <laughs> or um, you know the Vikings have had Matt Castle, or at best he's a league average quarterback. At worst, yeah, you've seen him. It makes it really hard when those guys aren't playing well yep. to sit there on your first round pick and be disciplined and say no, you're not going to play this year because you start to hear the boo birds and you start to read the columns and listen to the talking head idiots like us. And to sit there and be patient. So I think we praise the Chiefs for, yeah, they, they did a great thing by sitting Pat Mahomes, but they had Alex Smith. If they would have had Matt Castle or something, well, it been way which harder. they had him for a while. But I mean, like, if they had a, yeah, a genuinely atrocious starting quarterback, yes. would they really have sat Pat Mahomes for a full year? Probably not. Probably not. But so circumstance plays into it. Right, but it, it was so smart. They drafted Mahomes knowing exactly what the strategy was going to be, which is... I think really smart as opposed to saying, well, we've got this sort of crappy QB, but he could start like three games. Mm-hmm. I love I love the fact that the Chiefs, and in fact, were successful, removed the real temptation to play Mahomes, played Smith, had a good year, and said, now, now we're going to flip the script and play him. So, But you know what's funny? What's funny about this league, Phil, is that every year, right, you start off with complaints and moaning in the NFL, but where this league... And it's got faults, but where they are genius is, if you look right now, this offensive explosion absolutely has people captivated. So as much as we complain about, how could you call it on Clay Matthews? That's not roughing the passer. When you look at the stats right now, and and as I told Tom, there's four quarterbacks on pace to break the single season passing record. Including the Vikings quarterback, right? Exactly right. Cousins is still on pace. And do you think that the league's not like, okay, we'll take this? Yeah, because it's more fun to watch. Yes. It's, It's a lot more fun to watch. Uh, yeah, the, the NCAA tournament example is the one that I thought of right away. And this this is also the case. It's one of my beefs with the hockey playoffs. I know you guys are going to attack me physically after <laughs> well, the show for saying that. Yeah. But you say in the NFL, oh, we want quarterbacks to, you know, we want, what, what happened to quarterbacks taking a hit? Well, it's kind of nice. Predictability in that regard is kind of nice. I like to know that Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are going to be on my TV every Sunday. Just like I kind of like to know that LeBron James is going to be playing in the finals against a powerhouse from the other conference. It's more fun to watch. And in the NCAA tournament, we think we want Loyola Marymount, all like four yeah, Loyola no, Marymounts in the final four. And we think we want chaos in our playoff brackets. No, and like sometimes we just want to watch the Blackhawks play against the, the Bruins, right? Two classic teams, right? I don't mm-hmm. need, I don't really need to see two borderline. I don't need to see the Columbus Blue Jackets in the Stanley Cup Finals. You mean I don't like need an to see. Team? I don't need to see Brett Hundley for three hours on a Sunday. But football is if it, because there's always, and this happens every year though. All the complaints. I can't call that. This is this league's out of control. And yet, as Tommy said, the top 15 programs in September, ratings wise, all football games. Yeah, and all crazy. professional football games. Yep. And I'll, and, and I'll bet you that the pre and the post game, you know, pregame NBC, I don't know if that counts, but those are probably pretty highly rated. Monday too. night was great. That Chiefs game was fantastic. Yes. You don't say that a lot about Monday night football. No, you, you don't. <laughs> no, you but, do not. But the kid threw a left handed pass and got yeah. away with it. Yep. Let's wrap with Royce. We got Declan uh, filling in for Manny on the board here, too. Manny and Matthew Collar are out at Lucky 13 in Mendota. So if you're in the area, you want to stop by, watch them record a live Purple Podcast taping, you're welcome to stop by and maybe uh, cheers a beer, too, as well. So we'll come back. We'll wrap with Royce from the TCL Broadcast Studios. 
Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley dokley. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. Quick look at your traffic before we wrap up here on Mackie and Judd. There's a crash on I-94 eastbound between Snelling Avenue and Hamlin. On 394, we have a crash between Minnesota 100 and Worth Parkway. And then finally down south on I-494 westbound, there's a crash between Flying Cloud Drive and US-212. Back to Mackie and Judd. Actually, we're going to bring this conversation to the air and bring Pat in. Uh, How Pat, you doing, gentlemen? Patrick. So Judd wants to put a second TV in his living room, for and tonight. he's waiting. He's waiting for his loving wife to do it instead because he's because <laughs> he claims, "Well, I can't do it." Oh, she has a, a college education. She's got a college degree. Can she not figure out how to splice some cords together? The TV's sitting right upstairs. I just want it yeah, downstairs. So. Yeah, or uh, just click. That's a, you know, it's a baseball game, Judd. You're not going to miss anything. Just. <laughs> Watch a few shifts and then click. And between pitches, you got about forty-five seconds. That's so true. Be fine. I got well, the Patriots too, though. Patrick, Patriots are playing as well. Oh, I didn't realize we had a football game yeah. tonight. That's right. It's yeah. Thursday. Okay. Well, what's the what? I, I, I care so much about the Patriots. I can give it a damn less. So. I feel like Pat. Yeah. Pat seems like I think Pat is on the outsource your life plan here. Like I, I paid some dude. I went on some website and paid some dude a hundred bucks to install a TV mount on my wall when we moved into our new place. Yes, Have you ever? What's yes. the most obscure thing you've ever hired someone to do, Pat? <laughs> Listen, everything. I hired a guy to mow my lawn, and he ended up mowing my pool. That's, uh, <laughs> that was the worst. Thing. I think we lost Pat. Are you, you there? there? Did Pat fall in the pool? Let's put Pat on hold here. What was it? It's possible Pat what fell in the pool. I don't know. The guy drove the lawnmower into the pool, or yeah, something. Yeah, it was. I think it was a riding lawnmower. Yeah, you want to just check Declan to see if he's still alive? I think he's still alive. I just, what's the deal with phones and our guests? Was it a writer? I think it was a writing lawnmower that wound up in the pool. People we bring on of late, our phone connections. Yeah. Was it, it was a writing, a writing lawnmower that wound up in the pool, right? Okay. You no. Know, uh, so the kid was uh, mowing the lawn in the back, and I think he had a double lawnmower, but he wasn't riding it. But uh, as he was going uh, by the, on the back on the cement there, he uh, apparently brushed up against something and let it go for a minute and curse bloosh it ended up in the pool. That was uh, <laughs> that was uh, that was interesting. I told you that my wife called me up. I called my wife up at six thirty on the way home and said, "Hey, do you need anything?" And she said, "No, but we have a potential disaster." And I said, "What?" She says, "I'll tell you when we get home." Oh, when you get home, I said, "No, no, yeah. you won't. You cannot tell me yep. potential disasters <laughs> in twenty minutes." You know. <laughs> So anyway, that was it. It worked out okay. It worked out okay. So uh, anyhow, uh, our Brewers are up 2-0. I'm out running around in the countryside. That's probably why you lost me. So. Yeah, you know, Yelich, little little two-run jack from Christian Yelich. Man alive. And you know what? What's amazing about that one, uh, guys, is Jeter gave him up for no reason. They had control. Yep. He wasn't making that much money. And it's just that he wanted to get rid of everybody. It's it's unbelievable. That guy's that kid is. Uh, uh, I think he's the MVP, isn't he? Yeah, yep, definitely. Uh, man, man, he gets him at the right time too. I had no idea what a good player he was. I guess you get you get lost a little bit in the shuffle. By the way, did you guys see what the what uh, the uh, Marlins ended up drawing this year? Yeah, 
It wasn't in an average. They drew like 800,000 fans for the whole season. That's what they deserved. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they drew. Uh, they, 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 it, with all the padding that takes place and all the extra money that MLB, MLB gives each team a certain amount of money that they can pad their tickets like fifty thousand or a hundred thousand. Really? With that, eight hundred thousand. Yeah, Oof. unbelievable. So, baseball in general was down. What? Uh, they were the baseball didn't make twenty eight million this year, and they've been over thirty for several years in a row. Hmm. So Pat, with Jeter, do you think because you know for all the all those years we said here's this great stoic Yankee player and he's he's uh-huh. private, but it, it's what makes him so special. Do do you think all, all that time just hidden below was just a complete jerk? <laughs> I never saw. Boy, is this a nice guy? I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was a guy who did his duty. You know, he he was a lot like Tiger in that area, in the sense that he. It, he, we had to talk, and he talked. He never really gave you anything, but I, I, I thought he was kind of neutral. I was always neutral on him, certainly not as a player, but as a guy. I was never that impressed with him as a, as a human being. And uh, yeah, I, I think he is. I think extremely arrogant is what he is. So yeah, and and that uh, you know that certainly turned out to be the case. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, he didn't need any advice from anybody. Has there ever been an unlucky franchise in Miami, by the way? Every owner they get it is dedicated to ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. First, uh, Huizinga couldn't. He won a world championship just to ruin Miami because he could dismantle it. And then uh, Loria was just, they all hated him. They built him a new stadium, and he he treated them all like dirt. And then now this now this collection, man. Yeah. Alive. And then they get the and new stadium and just to troll the fans, they make it crappy and weird and green with yeah. the yeah, weird setup. To, this was supposed to be the gateway to Latin America, Miami. The reason they went there is it'll, you know, you have all these Latin American players. You got this huge Latin American population in Miami. This is going to be the gateway to Latin America. Instead, they all hate him. Yeah. Um, are you so? You are you officially rooting? Are you on the Brewers bandwagon here? Is that official for oh, you? Yeah, I mean, okay. Even though they uh, even though they use the semi opener today, I'm on uh, I'm on the Brewers bandwagon. I I you know what? Uh, they haven't uh, they haven't won one since 1957, I believe. Uh, they beat the Yankees in '57, lost them in '58 with the Braves, and then, of course they went once in '82. Uh, I always root for teams that I haven't done in a long time, and guess what? Pretty soon, I'm going to be able to start rooting for the Twins. Yeah, you you will. <laughs> well, we're up to 27 years. Now. Yeah, well, Declan. Well, so, De- Declan, how old are you? You said you're 25. You're 25. 25. So you you did not see the Twins win World Series. I did not. Yeah, he wasn't even pooping his pants yet when the Twins won the World Series. <laughs> the one way to put it. It took me a long time to even learn how to wipe Pat. So thanks very much. I appreciate thanks, Declan. That. Appreciate Still working that. on that. Actually, yeah. yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> Oh man! So what? What are your? We got a couple minutes left here, Pat. Let's talk some more yeah. baseball. So, um, what? Are, we had Roy Smalley on, and he's perplexed as to the you know the Paul Molitor thing. What do you? Yes. What do you think they're going to do? Are they going to hire some just someone anonymous that we've never heard of? Are they going to elevate Pickler? Or is it, what, what do you think they're going to do? I've heard not Pickler and uh, not Brad Bells, who's sixty-one years old. Look out for the thirty-seven-year-old assistant general manager in Texas. Uh, that's right. uh, that's what they're going to retire. And hey, if you're going to go, if you're going to go all in on this, might as well go all in, right? Yeah. I what, mean, if you if you're going to fire Molitor, 
if you're going to fire Molitor, there's no sense in hiring any manager we've ever heard of, right? Girardi or somebody like that. That's so stupid. You know, you hear, hey, is Girardi a candidate? Are you nuts? Yeah, Showalter is not a candidate. Yeah. Molitor and bring in Joe Girardi, for goodness Taste yeah. Tingler, right, Patrick? That, that's the name of the guy in Texas? Taste? Yep. Yep. They're going to do uh, something like that. Now, Jace. the only thing that makes Sorry. you suspicious here that they're uh, saying it's going to take weeks is that is it somebody uh, imminently involved in the playoffs, you know, and uh, that they're they're waiting for, uh, you know, some, assist, uh, some coach somewhere that they like a lot that's on one of these uh, one of these contending teams. Yeah. Uh, by the way, don't, don't don't hire anyone from the Oakland Athletics because I think anyone here could have told you Liam Hendricks against the Yankees, even for ten minutes, is not a good idea. Royce is well, ecstatic, yeah, I'm sure. An, if you're going to use an opener, use the guy you brought in after him. Right. You know, <laughs> right. That, that guy was good, and, and use Trinan if you're going to use an opener. Let him pitch to any. Yeah, it so would have been uh, torment for Twins fans to watch Liam Hendricks throw nine, like just <laughs> nine pitches, three strikeouts, and buzz through that lineup at Yankee Stadium. Well, so. He must have found some kangaroo juice or something. All of a sudden, <laughs> he went from throwing ninety-one to ninety-five or six. Something happened. He found he <laughs> found some type of juice, Pat. That's for sure. Wow. And on that note, all right, we'll see you tomorrow, Pat. See you uh, tomorrow. See- Bye. <laughs> oh, man. The beer show is coming up next. Good. I need one. Yep. I might wander in there, <laughs> Where too. Where are beer guys? And uh, we'll be back with a little Write That Down Friday tomorrow. Mackie and Judd on demand at 1500ESPN.com.